Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Thrive Church. What a tremendous blessing. Um, Maybe we should just open it up to an open mic time of just (laughs) great things you want to say to us. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You can just record it and send it. Um, I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm kidding. Thank you, guys. We love you. And we really are. Like, this is the greatest honor and the greatest ministry job I've ever had. And I know I'm super biased, but this is the best church I've ever been a part of. Um, and uh, Reichert has to say the same because I sign his checks. So, <laughs> just kidding. But seriously. So, uh, what, a, what a tremendous blessing. Um, we love you too, church, and thank you so much. Uh, uh, yeah, Ann just super sad she couldn't be here. but uh, The kids are okay, but they're, they're just fighting off a little something and Playing it safe, especially in these days, right? So uh, continuing the series, Strange Fire. And what is that? We'll we'll talk about it in a minute. But the idea is is basically from the Old Testament and the things we do and don't mix with. um, The things we uh, can reach the world with and the things we have to say, we got to reject that. And today, today I actually really enjoy what we're going to be talking about, which is going to sound weird. But we're talking about cults and other religions. Um, and uh, I've just been in a lot of them. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, started several. No, um, uh, oh, that would have been a great skit, right? That clip from The Office where Creed is like, cults, yeah, I've been in a lot of them. You know, it's a lot more fun to be a follower, make a lot more money as a leader. <laughs> uh, uh, but this way, if I just say it instead of have the clip, Facebook doesn't kick us off. So um, back in high school, I remember uh, when I first got into theater in high school, I was in a play. Uh, it was a, the first thing I ever did in high school uh, in a play. And I was a very large high school, uh, not far from here, Carl Sandburg High School. Uh, 3,000 students then. I think it's like over 4,500 now. Um, but so to get into a play then, you know, that was like making varsity football. Uh, it wasn't easy. And, and I don't even know how I got in. I, I just pulled something off in the auditions, uh, but it was an improv show. It was the first ever, the first time they ever did it. It was a lot of fun, but I was in a show, and, and there, was this, there was this girl that was there. It was, she was really friendly. That didn't matter. Didn't know her, and, and, uh, and one time I, I said, I'm going to invite her to youth group, invite her to the church. I said, hey, would you like to, oh, no, I go to my church. Oh, okay, great. Oh, wh- where is that? And, uh, and she said, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I turned around, I was like, wow, I don't know what that is. <laughs> what is that? And, and sure enough, I, I, uh, over time, I developed a crush on this girl, and then she kind of developed a crush on me back after I got over mine, you know, one of those high school things. And, and, and God protected me because for a while there, I thought, well, we believe the same things, right? And uh, no, no, we do not. We do not believe the same things. Uh, now, they believe we do. 
they are incorrect. Uh, we do not. And, and we're going to be talking about some of that today because it, it brought me on a journey in my faith to really have to make a decision, you know, what are the things we can accept and what are the things that we absolutely could never accept, that this is not okay, that this is a line in the sand, and, and how does it end up there? You know, how does something like Mormonism come to be? It's a little over 100 years, it's less than 200 years old as a religion. Um, and yet, it, it did explode once it finally took off. How does that happen? A guy named Joseph Smith, and we're going to get into it, we're going to get into a couple others, Jehovah's Witnesses, and uh, maybe some others, there's, there's definitely not a lot of time to cover, you know, all other religions and cults, and we're going to talk a little more next week about Easter religions and things as we wrap up. Um, none of this is a how-to, by the way, none of this is a start your own cult, uh, start your own new religion, it's not that, um, but, but how did they get there is an important thing to know. Uh, to guard our own hearts, to guard our own lives, and also just know what we believe, right? And these are days, man, these are really strange, confusing days, especially if you don't know what the truth is. They're hard times. You either know the truth right now or you are lost. And, and I've, I've found a lot of people are really lost right now, are really confused on what is the truth. Right? We've even coined new phrases in the last few years. Well, this is my truth, which is an ironic term. It's completely antithetical to the very definition of the word truth. Truth is a thing that is factual that is. It is not conditional on feelings and thoughts and emotions and background and experience. Right? Water is wet. It just is. That is a truth, right? Well, for me, it's dry. It is not. <laughs> I you need to get something checked because if water is dry for you, you have issues. Something is medically wrong, <laughs> right? So, and, and that's, that's true. But a lot of people, and especially, and most importantly, spiritually, crucially, if you don't know what you believe and truth is subjective, and ebbs and flows with where culture has gone, and, or what a new leader has to say, or a great new book comes out, you are not very far off from being deceived right out of a belief system, right out of the Savior that you know and love. Right? Has anybody here known a marriage that it's like they, they ended up, one cheated on the other, and, and they, it just... They were just kind of slipped and fell into it, and, and it just destroyed the marriage. And they look back, and they're like, I don't even know how I did that. I don't know how that happened. I know some of you do. Don't point. Let's, that would regress the situation. Okay, so that, but it happens, right? I know couples, right, via social media can, can be awesome, although I think in the last year or two we're all like, we could do without it. <laughs> Let's move on, you know, shut it down. Uh, that day without Facebook a few weeks ago was like this. this what a great day. <laughs> Let's commemorate that as a national holiday, non-Facebook day. Um, but, but I've watched Facebook destroy good marriages because oh, I found this person from high school. They're alone. I'm lonely. There we go. And they destroy their whole lives because of somebody they found. And... 
right? And what happened? They, it deconstructed, it tore away at the marriage. But it was subtle. It, was, it wasn't like, bam, you know? That, it doesn't just happen, right? And that's what happens most crucially to our faith. So we're going to go back to Leviticus chapter 10. And this is in the Old Testament. And they have established, God has set up rules for the Israelites. This is how you worship me. Don't worship me the way you want to. So, so even there, God has set up something in the Old Testament. You don't get to worship me the way you want to. So the person, you know, like, we have a lot more freedom on this side of the cross, which is great news. But we still don't worship any way we want to. The reason we start with worship is if you look at the Old Testament tabernacle, and it'll take a, I'm not going to unpack all this, but Jesus says, come into my presence with thanksgiving, with praise, right? Well, the, the mosaic tabernacle looks like that. There's a, there's a bread of thanks, uh, there's a bread, and, and there's thanksgiving, and, and, and all of that till you move into the Holy of Holies, right? Which is why we start with songs of praise, and then we move into songs that are more intimate and express our hearts to the Lord, and then we hear the word, and then the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy of Holies is where the Ten Commandments was kept. We're still worshiping the day, uh, today the way the Old Testament commanded, okay? There is some things to the way God wants to be worshiped. And God tells them there's some things you got to worship me as, but there's some things you cannot do. And one of the things you can't do is is light the fire in the presence of the Lord any way you want. And here's what happened. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, put coals of fire on their incense burners and sprinkled incense over them. In this way, they disobeyed the Lord by burning before him the wrong kind of fire. Another version says, strange fire. Different than he had commanded, than God had commanded. So fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence and burned them up, and they died there before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord meant when he said, I will display my holiness through those who come near me. I'll display my glory before all the people. And Aaron was silent. And some would say, uh, if you've been in church a while, you're like, well, that's the Old Testament. That's not the New Testament. God's different now. And I would be like, well, the Bible says God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And there's a New Testament story that's not so different, right? Ananias and Sapphira, they, they brought something into the church, in the, in the infant stages of the church being born. The church universal, not, not you know, first assembly of Jerusalem. But, <laughs> um, and, and, and what they did is they, they, they lied about the offering and, event, and they dropped dead in the presence of the Lord. Now we, fortunately, we don't have that ministry here. We're really grateful. Nobody has dropped dead at Thrive at all, ever. It's really good. We're young. Things can happen. But, but we are grateful that that has not happened in church and we don't want it to. Um, but, but in those cases, that was God saying, you mixed the wrong things. And you messed with the gospel. You messed with the way I was meant to be worshipped and what I set up. And that has happened over and over. Now, I think because we're in, there's a thing called common grace. And it's on this side of the cross. who basically means the world is under a level of common grace under God on this side of the cross. Basically meaning God doesn't pour out judgments on us now like he did in the Old Testament. Because of the work of the cross. 
Because of the work of the cross is moving in redemption across the earth. It's really good news. I'm glad that God has not judged me every time I've sinned in his presence. Right? That's good news. But at the same time, he's still a God of justice. And so what happens over and over and has happened over the last 2,000 years is people have tried again and again, and the New Testament's even full of it, to try and create their own ideas and their own religions of what it is to follow Jesus on their terms instead of what God himself set up. My truth is one of the worst things you can adopt as a follower of Jesus. One of the things, and I'm not going to follow this trail too much today, okay, but one of the things that's wrong right now in, in our nation and in just in Western nations across the world is redefining of terms, right? Naringa knows she's from Eastern Europe. She's seen communism up close, right? They change things to manipulate people, to destroy things from within, Right now, they're redefining terms to redefine truth into what we want it to be instead of what the term means is a form of manipulation. I don't know who started it. It'd be impossible to find that out. But it's destruction. It's not good. But it's also not new. This has happened a lot. One of, the, one of the things that happened in, uh, not that long ago, what, uh, what, what happens is, and what happens from this is cults, okay? And sometimes it's cults of society, socialism, communism, those are cults. Karl Marx was a cult leader, okay? Now, did he believe it? I believe that he did. But that doesn't, that, cult leaders can be one of two things. They can be true believers, and they're usually insane, Okay? Or they can be charlatans. They're one or the other every time in cults. They're usually not a mixture. They either really believe it, okay, we'll talk in a little while, but Scientology, okay, uh, um, L. Ron Hubbard, the, the creator of Scientology, he's a true believer in that. Now his predecessors, probably not so much. They're more about the power and the money, okay? But here's what's common in cults. Here's what we regularly see. Characteristics of cults. Number one, strong leadership. There's almost always a strong leader in any form of a cult. What, what's the difference between cults and religion? There is no definitive way, but here's a few things to watch out for. Number one, strong leaders. Is there anything wrong with strong leadership? No, but leadership that begins to center everything, they're the center piece of it all. Run from that. Be wary of that. It's one of the reasons I have never been very drawn to a lot of megachurch ministry. Do I think God uses megachurches and there's great ministry that comes out of them? Absolutely I do. And absolutely I've watched, as we all have, many lives get crushed if the centerpiece, the leader, falls, right? In this case, it's not about Thrive. It's not about Brian. It's not even about us. Who's it about? There we go. Let's try it again. Who's it about? <laughs> Jesus. It's about Jesus. Okay? They have authority when, when basically the Bible, God sets up spiritual authority. But once that spiritual authority th starts asking you to do things Jesus doesn't ask you to do and says if you don't do this, you're evil, you're in sin, you're in deception, red flags. 
That's a caution. It's something to watch out for. Number two, new truth or revelation. If you were with somebody who's like, I discovered a new thing about the Bible nobody else has done, or I discovered something the early church did that we never do anymore and we're all wrong. First, um, run, get out, okay, red flags. But number two, that is denying the sovereignty of God over his church. You're forgetting, you're, you're going after the church, but you're forgetting who God is and that this is his bride and he's over his church. He knows what's wrong with it. He gets it. He's not looking at his church today being like, oh man, did this get away from me. Whoa, where did I put my church? Oh, it's in my other pants. <laughs> like that's not what God's saying. So, so this is his bride. He knows. He knows what's wrong. He knows what's right. And I promise you he's working it out. And anybody who tells you I found a new thing that, that's this or that in the Bible or this or that prophecy or that's outside the Bible but should be in there. And that, and that happens a lot. Red flags. Okay? It happened with Rob Bell about 15 years ago. Rob Bell's like, oh, I understood this about hell. Everybody else got it wrong. Some original church fathers got it right. Hell didn't mean a place of eternal damnation. Hell meant a place where, uh, you know, a, a bad place in society. Therefore, I don't believe in hell, etc. And he left the family of God. And he became most likely, well, probably arguably universalist at best. If he's even that now. He hangs out with a lot of Eastern religion stuff. But again, he found something new. He didn't. He really didn't. It wasn't a new thing. And it was bad interpretation. And number three, reject basic Christian doctrines. One of the key ones they often go after is the Trinity. If you don't believe God in three persons, which is a mystery and hard to understand, okay, but it works kind of like this, okay? So the Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We are not polytheists. We don't believe in a God of three different, uh, uh, in three different gods. We believe in one God in three persons. So we're going to pretend this is the three-legged stool. I know it's for hang with me, okay? No analogy is perfect, right? But if I took one of the legs away, guess what? It is no longer a stool, it's wood, but it's not a stool. It's not sitting and uh, what it's meant for, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, is one God in three distinct persons. If there's three distinct legs on a stool, they are distinct, but it is one stool. And nobody refers to it as, well, I only love the middle leg. No. Okay, if there's... There's five fingers on your hand, again, analogy, but if there are three fingers on your hand, if you and I were all E.T. or whatever, um, okay, uh, we'd, we'd say it's one hand. We would not say, I've uh, it's, well, I, I prefer this finger, right? The other day, Glory, my three-year-old, held up the wrong finger as a way of making a point. She wasn't making that point. She was just trying to use it as a number, right? But, but she doesn't know any better, but but if we all are like, well, that's the finger I like to use, then you've got issues. But what I would say is you know, we all refer to it as a hand, right? This is our hand. It works as one. You know, my ring finger is never like, you know what, I'm going to do something else right now. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit work as one God. And, and those who basically move away and into cult behavior, cult territory, 
into deception leave the Trinity. The Trinity is in the Word. The Word is not used in the Bible, but the Trinity is in the Bible over and over. Now, I'm not going to unpack that, but it's there. And then, and then finally, uh, they also usually and often attack the divinity of Jesus, that Jesus is God. They say Jesus never claimed to be God, or he wasn't, or somebody made that up, or any number of things. Jehovah's Witnesses. Anybody here ever had an encounter with Jehovah's Witnesses? They've, they've come to your house, they've talked to you, right? We have one in Lockport, a kingdom hall is where they meet. That's their church. Let's talk about them for a minute. How do they, are they a cult? Well, by Christian standards, yeah. By Christian standards. It was started by a guy named Charles Taze Russell. Current membership of, of, of Jehovah's Witnesses is roughly 5 million people globally. Okay? Charles Taze Russell uh, was, was a guy who, who believed something uh, in a Bible study and it took off. And then another guy after him took it in an even further direction and it, it kind of grew from there. They basically, they deny the divinity of Jesus. Um, they believe he's, uh, they've changed the New Testament multiple times. So John 1.1 1, 1 is scripture we're all familiar with. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh. Who's the Word? Say it louder. All right, what's it all about? Thank you. Okay, there we go. They changed it. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was a God. And that's one of many, many examples. They change it. When they, when they shift it, it looks like us till you get a little closer. And here's how it found itself, and basically it's an act of, wor- act of works to get into heaven. They don't believe in a hell because a hell would be antithetical to a merciful, loving God. That's not true. That's just what they believe. Uh, they predicted their religion, their leaders, their founders predicted the end of the world multiple times. 1914 was one of those times. We're still here. Some days we wish we weren't, but we are still here, right? Okay, and many others. 1876 and several other years. They predicted this is gonna, how it's going to come to an end. And it's really tough when you predict something and it doesn't happen. That's just a tough deal. When you're like, God told me this, and then it doesn't happen, and that's a, that's a tough bag. What do you do after that? Well, you got to rewrite. you gotta, you got to go back to the drawing board, reconfigure, and say, this is what I really meant, and this is what God really meant, and this, etc. cetera. Uh, and so they, they rewrite over and over, and, and it's called Jehovah's Witness largely because that's what they have to do. So they meet in their kingdom hall five times a week. It's become very cult-like. Uh, they don't believe in birthdays, Christmas anniversaries or any kind of celebration because those they believe those are pagan, unspiritual, and, and the worship of worldly things. And their job then is to go out and witness. That's why they come to your house door to door to try and get you to come into Jehovah's Witness. And often, what they'll, I will say this, they're effective in how much they're, meant, they're out there. I, I don't know any Christians who are as committed to going door-to-door and spreading a belief system as Jehovah's Witness in the U.S. They are committed. There's not a lot of them, but they're committed. How does that happen? Well, one or two guys believed God gave them something that was outside of what the Scripture already taught. 
Like here in this house, do we believe the Spirit still moves today and the Holy Spirit speaks through the prophetic and giftings? Absolutely. But it is all submitted and secondary to the Word of God. If you start saying, well, God told me to leave my wife, I'm going to tell you, no, he didn't. That is, ant- that is antithetical to his word. He never told you that. Well, I heard it. The demons are talking to you, and you're listening. But God didn't say it. It came to me in a dream. Well, the angel, the devil says, the Bible says the devil can come as an angel of light. Things happen that, uh, that can seem like God and are not. Right? Anybody here had a great opportunity, but it wasn't a God opportunity, and you shouldn't have taken it, or you're glad you didn't? And this was that same moment. They got way off. And here's the thing. It's very hard to see somebody who is Jehovah's Witness come, become followers of Christ, because if they leave Jehovah's Witness, they're so turned off to all of organized religion at that point because of the heaviness and the burden that it carried and the joyless existence that it is. Michael Jackson came from a Jehovah's Witness family. That should say a little bit, okay, <laughs> without going into commentary about Michael Jackson. There's a party you can see footage of where he threw, threw for his, a birthday party through for his mom. But because, because they can't celebrate birthdays, he just wrapped everything in brown paper bags. Right? So the irony of the trying to find their way around their legalism in order to celebrate his mom and make her feel loved and stuff. What happened there? And what you see is the, those children lost their lives. I don't know what kind of, everything about Michael Jackson, what's true and what isn't, but what we can say is he was a broken man, lost and confused. That played a major role in that, a major, not a minor, a major role. Because once you lose Jesus, you've lost everything. It's not a large group of people, but they're out there. They believe things like, so Revelation talks about 144,000. That number is used in Revelation. And uh, most believe it's referring to a certain amount of Jewish people after quite a bit of persecution who will receive Jesus as their Savior uh, and see eternity. But it's really not a number we need to be very concerned about. I'm not saying you can't study it, you can't look it up, but I'm saying don't worry about it. Like, because the ones who are worried about it are Jehovah's Witness, because that's the only amount of people that will get to the highest heaven, in their view. Which is really, really tough. That's a, that's a, that's a narrow, man, we thought it was rough for us. We thought it was narrow for us. They made it really narrow. They took that one verse way beyond its context, and only the best of the best of Jehovah's Witnesses of 144,000 will see the highest heaven. That's a tough one. The rest will live in paradise on earth. Some of their distinctives, some of the things that they believe and they don't move on. First, they, they believe, based on Genesis 9, that commands not to eat blood, that they can't receive blood transfusions. Uh, which is really controversial, especially in children's, children's who've had, uh, children who've had cancer. Um, that's, a, that's a tough one. They, they face actually quite a bit of medical uh, Medical, what would I say, legal trouble based on that. 
other things. They don't believe in holidays because they think it's creature worship. They also don't vote. They can't salute the flag and no military service. Right? It's a burden that no, can anybody really carry? It's heavy. It's a graceless existence. Nobody lives up to it. Because once you remove Jesus, it's a burden you can no longer bear. Another one that, that truly he did believe is Mormonism. It's a quick video to kind of unpack that, and then we'll dive right back into it. Take a look at this. Those questions. To start, we want to clarify that all references made here are cited in the article on our website. The Mormon religion, Mormonism, whose followers are known as Mormons and Latter-day Saints, was founded less than 200 years ago by a man named Joseph Smith. He claimed to have received a personal visit from God the Father and Jesus Christ, who told him that all churches and their creeds were an abomination. Joseph Smith then set out to restore true Christianity and claims his church to be the only true church on earth. The problem with Mormonism is that it contradicts, modifies, and expands on the Bible. Mormons believe that there are, in fact, four sources of divinely inspired words. The Bible, as far as it is translated correctly, the Book of Mormon, which was translated by Smith and published in 1830, Doctrine and Covenants, containing a collection of modern revelations, and the Pearl of Great Price, which is considered by Mormons to clarify doctrines and teachings that were lost from the Bible. Mormons believe the following about God. He has not always been the supreme being of the universe, but attained that status through righteous living and persistent effort. They believe God the Father has a body of flesh and bones as tangible as man's. Brigham Young taught that Adam was actually God and the Father of Jesus Christ, although this teaching has been abandoned by modern Mormon leaders. In contrast, Christians know this about God. There is only one true God. He always has existed and always will exist. He was not created but is the creator. He is perfect and no one else is equal to him. God the Father is not a man, nor was he ever. He is spirit and spirit is not made of flesh and bone. Mormons believe that there are different levels or kingdoms in the afterlife. The celestial kingdom, the terrestrial kingdom, the telestial kingdom, and outer darkness. Where mankind will end up depends on what they believe and do in this life. In contrast, the Bible tells us that after death we go to heaven or hell based on whether or not we had faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. As believers, after death we are with the Lord, but unbelievers are sent to hell. When Jesus comes the second time, we will receive resurrected and glorified bodies. There will be a new heaven and a new earth for believers, and unbelievers will be thrown into an everlasting lake of fire. There is no second chance for redemption after death. Mormon leaders have taught that Jesus' incarnation was the result of a physical relationship between God the Father and Mary. Mormons believe Jesus is a God, but that any human can also become a God. Mormonism teaches that salvation can be earned by a combination of faith and good works. 
Contrary to this, Christians historically have taught that no one can achieve the status of God, only He is holy. We can be made holy in God's sight through faith in Him. Jesus is the only begotten Son of God and is the only one ever to have lived a sinless life. Jesus and God are one in essence, Jesus being the only man who existed before physical birth. Jesus tells us it is impossible to get to heaven by our own works and that only by faith in Him is it possible. Clearly, there is only one way to receive salvation, and that is to know God and His Son, Jesus. Receiving salvation is not done by works, but by faith. We can receive this gift no matter who we are or what we have done. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Although Mormons are usually friendly, loving, and kind people, they are deceived by a false religion that distorts the nature of God, the person of Jesus Christ, and the means of salvation. And that answers the questions, what is Mormonism and what do Mormons believe? Research these questions further on our website, gotquestions.org. Be sure to click subscribe and check out these other questions. So Mormonism is founded by a guy named Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith, I am not an expert in this, but I'm pretty well versed. Uh, largely because of that experience and then uh, spent a lot of time seeking God and and. and learning about Mormonism, and then on top of that, my dad had a good friend, my parents had good friends, and, and I was good friends with their son, uh, somebody in our church growing up who had been a bishop in the Mormon church, and then gave his life to Christ, uh, and he had quite a few stories to tell, and, and I drilled him pretty good, so, uh, for, with questions, um, uh, about where he'd come from, and so, so there's different takes on Joseph Smith. Was he a true believer, or wasn't he? We really don't know. We can't know that. Okay, but what the story goes that uh, Joseph Smith went and sought God in prayer, saying, uh, you know, what do I believe? There's all these different denominations. Which one should I join? And that an angel Moroni then comes to him, the visitation of Moroni, and tells him they're all wrong, they're all deceived, and I'm going to tell you what the real truth is. Again, really, really fun stuff when somebody comes and says, I'm going to give you something different than what everybody else has had, right? And, and that leads him to discover these golden plates. These golden plates he then interprets with the umum and the thummim from the Old Testament, uh, and that becomes the Book of Mormon. The Book of Mormon is basically, uh, long story short, there are two different types of people who are in America, two different types of Jewish people called the Nephites and the Lamanites. They believe the Native Americans who were here in America were ancient Jews. And Jesus, after his resurrection, then came here and preached the gospel to them, but their gospel, not ours. Uh, and the golden plates disappeared because the angel then took it back up from Joseph Smith after he's done interpreting. Uh, the Bible study has grows and it grows, and they have a movement that moves westward, uh, and they, they stop in different places, Ohio, uh, there's a city in Illinois on the river uh, that was their main city at one point, even outgrew Chicagoland, uh, be, how big it grew from Mormonism. Um, and then they moved to Missouri, and then eventually they found themselves, uh, but uh, in Missouri, Joseph Smith is killed from an anti-Mormon mob, uh, and and uh, while he's imprisoned, and then Brigham Young is the main becomes the main voice they call the Lion of God, leads them out there, introduces polygamy, 
uh, which is always good, right? It's always like, you know what else, guys? <laughs> Multiple wives. It always never it never works out for the women, though, does it? <laughs> um, and 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 he does that for a season, but then they have to repeal that because obviously the federal government is not okay with polygamy at that point. But interesting side note: this is this you won't find in most Mormon research. Under the table, most Mormons believe and believed in a time where prophetically that would then return to them and they could be polygamists again. Because again, they believe in becoming gods of their own universe. So if you are a good Mormon, you're sold out to it, you live a, you live a good life, your family then with your, with your wife or wives and children will then be lord over other worlds. They believe in trillions of other worlds that, that there are gods of. So if you have multiple wives, that expands your kingdom, so to speak. Now we're living in a day and a time where that's not so unrealistic, is it? Right? Because the very definition of marriage has been erased. Marriage is now based, it's not, on, it's not based in monogamy anymore. So in, an, in a way, as society in America, as we leave a Judeo-Christian root system, doesn't mean we always lived by it and lived well by it as a country. No, we didn't. We had our brokenness. But as we move away from it, right, that makes room for something like this. But it's one guy who says he hears something different than what everybody else has heard. It's kind of like this. Do you remember... Do you remember do you remember the first time you were on a trampoline and just kind of jumped around? And then you were on it for a really long time. I had a friend in high school. He had a, he had a big one in the backyard. And this is back when, like, not everybody had trampolines, right? Everybody's got them now. If you remember, like, 20, 30 years ago, they had a trampoline. It was like they had a pool, too, <laughs> right? And they didn't just have a pool, right? They, you know, they had a big house, you know, and all these different things. And I remember the first time, I, we were on it for like an hour. And then I got off, and my friend's like, jump. And like, you come slamming down to the ground once you've been on a trampoline for a while. You remember that? Because what happens is, your body is now reminded quickly of gravity. <laughs> and that you can't live that way. It's fun. It's not real. This is cult living, and you have to keep it up, but it's not real. It's suspended outside of reality by something false, and you have to keep it up. And if you step away from it for even a moment, you get yanked down. You are allowed to jump on trampolines. Don't make it weird. <laughs> we can all enjoy trampolines. But what happens with our belief system is we, we are so quick to want to find the new thing. And the truth is we have to be honest with ourselves that we all like to make idols. We all want to be in on something new. And yet the foundations are what hold us up. Paul said, I have forgot everything. Right? 1 Corinthians 2.2. 2. I forget everything except Christ and Him crucified. Forget the other stuff. I'm going to stay right here because this is enough for me. Jesus is enough for me. The Holy Spirit is enough for me. 
His word is enough. His grace is enough. His presence is enough. We keep trying to find things outside of God, and it's destructive. Mormon spreads across the earth. I think there's, I forget how many, but it's, it's a lot larger. Now, they claim to be a billion members worldwide. They're nowhere near that. They're not even 10% of that. They're maybe uh, 1% of that. But they're in a lot of places. And they are some of the sweetest, most moral people you'll ever meet. And they're committed. My friend and her family, they were wonderful people. They were sweet, they were kind, they were loving. Now, one thing, they were really deceived, no coffee. It was demonic, <laughs> right? Just, and that's, that's true in Mormonism, you can't have any caffeine. Anything that's slightly addictive, and that's when you know the devil's in it, right? When, when you can't have coffee, huge red flags. But um, I remember thinking, they're so good, Lord. But remember what I said earlier? What the Bible says, the devil comes as an angel of light. You, we need to understand something. The devil doesn't care how we get to hell. Just that we get there. The devil doesn't care what you believe as long as you don't believe in Jesus. And you're like, but they do believe in Jesus. No, 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 no. They don't believe Jesus is the one true Son of God and the living God and the Word. John 1, 1 in their Bible doesn't even exist. Where it says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh, is not even in their version of the King James Bible. If you see a King James Bible put out by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, it is not the Word of God. It has been changed. It has been shifted. Not only that, the Book of Mormon for them comes first. They have spent billions, not millions, they have spent billions of dollars in archaeological excavations and research in order to prove the history of their religion, and they have found nothing. In contrast, when the world had become largely secularized and secularism was growing and, and, and on the move, in 1940s, and, and almost all of the scientific world, the geological world, just decided, no, the, the, the Bible is stuff of, of, of foolishness. A shepherd in the, in the hills in the Middle East, wandering, throws a rock and hits something. And it breaks a vase, and they discover the Dead Sea Scrolls. Proving the authenticity and more accuracy of the Bible about history and antiquity than any other historical records on earth. The people who would say Jesus didn't exist or the resurrection didn't happen or things like that. We have more evidence that Jesus rose from the dead than we do that Caesar even existed. But people want I just want a little more. It's great to want more of God. It's not great to want something more outside of God. The mistake we often make, the strange fire we get into, 
is, is sometimes it's a genuine desire for more of God, but instead of, instead of, they try and expand God instead of go deeper in God. They'll try and find a new truth, understand the truth he's already revealed better. Don't find a different well, don't widen the well, dig deeper in the well. That's what we're meant to do. That's the power of God. That's where the awesome things of God come from. They got way off. Were they they trying to lead a cult? No. I would say very few are. How many remember Waco in the 90s? If not, you can look it up. Horrific thing. But that was a man, David Koresh, who started out right. He was a Christ seeker. And then one day he believed he was Christ. How does that happen? Sincere allegiance with a little bit of deception can become destruction. We have to guard our hearts and our minds in these days and these hours. This is what's happened in Christianity now. There's a lot of Christianity here in our culture. I was just listening to a phenomenal podcast this morning, uh, and I'll try and post it later, but a, a great Canadian professor who's, who's lamenting what's happening in his nation as pastors, when they're holding services in his nation, if they allow vaccinated and unvaccinated people in the same room to sing together, those pastors are being arrested. Not hours north of us. A nation that we are not very different from at all. How does that happen? It becomes from a deception of culture. I would argue a cult of culture. When we basically adopt and adapt government as the place of headship over us, and then we just say, but but God's over that, so it's fine, and we don't have to go. No, it is God first in our lives, period and always. It is Jesus first. Now Romans teaches us obey the governing authorities, but it does so in the idea so much as it causes you not to disobey the Lord. But you will never, they will have to drag me out. I will not restrict worship in this place. We will worship the Lord and the Lord alone. I don't care if you've been shot seven times or you've had no shot at all. If you want seven masks on or none, we're here to worship the Lord. And I believe that's greater. And every church has to make their own call. I'm not talking about other churches. But we are, if we aren't careful, easily deceived. I've watched people, and I won't name names because I don't want to be that guy. Privately in the fire, foyer. They won't. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but like I was telling Reichert earlier this week, I, I saw somebody, and I used to really respect them. Until 2020 happened, and I watched it felt like they were just a product of culture at this point instead of a follower of Jesus. And I, I, it, you can, we can have different viewpoints. Yeah, for sure. We can have different political parties. What we can't do is have different biblical belief systems. But it's subtle. I remember I was with some missionary friends years ago. Probably 
this is probably 12, 13 years ago. Actually, it's our missionary, Josh Cagle. Everybody remember him? If not, he's, he's one of our missionaries. He's in Poland now. But I was with him and his parents. His parents were missionaries to Mexico for many years. And, and, uh, and, and we were in the car driving somewhere in Dallas. And, and I, I think I asked how I could pray for them. And they shared some things. And they're like, Brian, how can we pray for you? And I said, I, I just shared some of my concerns about America then. Not now. And, and they said the thing, I remember they had such great insight. They said the problem with America when it comes to the Christian faith is unlike so much of the rest of the world, there's just so much gray. And so many Christians don't even see what's black and white, what Scripture actually teaches. I mean, I remember that as a divine moment. That was a holy moment. That was a word from heaven. And that's true. We have made gray what God said is not gray. And we've made black and white what God said isn't. There are Christians right now that are saying that if you don't get a vaccine, you are therefore not following the Lord. And vice versa. There are Christians saying if you do, you've got the mark of the beast. And guess what? They're both making black and white what is not. It is not. It is between you and the Lord, and you wrestle that out. You figure it out. You weigh it out with your faith. There's nothing in Scripture that says, at this moment, at this day, in this time, you can or cannot receive a Pfizer shot. It's not there. I don't know Greek and Hebrew by heart, but I'm, I'm pretty sure. I do know how to look it up. It's not there. Cult thinking, even when we're not in a cult, can creep into our minds subtly, but also quickly. A guy like Scientology, L. Ron Hubbard, he, he was a guy who basically had, had found a few mental tricks. I, I think there's a couple pictures there uh, of, of, of that. But Scientology is the idea. Anybody here ever heard of Scientology? Probably, right? Leah Remini's uh, uh, exodus from it has made it very popular. Tom Cruise, the most, world's most well-known Scientologist. But L. Ron Hubbard was a, basically a science fiction writer. An okay one, did pretty well, but genuinely believed the money is in the religion. It's a great documentary, it is rated R, but a great documentary called Going Clear. You could watch it sometimes, not with your kids, um, and, and it's a great explanation. A lot of people who've ex, uh, exited from that religion are in it, some, some brilliant people, but but somehow he created the bridge. And here's the thing. <laughs> Some people attain the bridge. And they're like, uh, we got a problem because we got to keep it going. So they created more levels and more and more. There's another notice of cult-like living. When there is, a, when there is an unattainable spiritual goal that you could never reach and nobody could ever live up to, you found yourself in a false religion. I've watched it happen in our country. I've watched it happen in our world. Jesus is the finality of that. He said, you could never reach me, but I'm going to reach you. I'm going to do this for you. You can't get to me, but I'm going to come to you. I'm going to pay for you. I'm going to cover your sins. That's the beauty of what we believe. We come and belong to the local body because this is his bride and we're meant to. And it builds us up and it encourages us and it keeps us connected to the faith and the body and accountable. But this isn't what saves us. This isn't what takes us home. This isn't what secures anything. 
Recently, there was a fairly popular uh, cult among celebrities based somewhere in business practices slash Eastern religion ideas, and it was called Nexium. Some of you may or may not have heard of it. But basically, one leader was charismatic enough and said enough interesting things. <laughs> I've always had a pretty good... Um, how's the... Um, dung meter. <laughs> we'll say that. <laughs> like, just something goes off of me. Like, and it, it, I remember walking into a room, even in high school, uh, uh, there was a guy, you know, who's the center charismatic, and he was just philosophizing. Just, and girls were around him. And it was like, we're, we're still theater kids, so we're still the geeks in the high school. Like, we're, not, we're still not cool. But he's maybe king of the geeks in this moment, right? And, and all the... All the Lady geeks are, are, are fawning, and just he's amazing, and he, and he's just he's just saying things that that Buddhists would say and Marx would say, and he's amazing. And I remember thinking, that's really not that amazing. He's not saying anything new. You really think that's amazing? I do. I just remember like this guy's a loser. He's not saying anything new. He's not saying anything brilliant. If they're not repeating the words of Jesus, unpacking the word of God, believe me, it's not that amazing. And it, it can happen through anything. As recently, there's a new HBO documentary. There's a, there a, a woman who was a woman of the faith who then somehow twisted that faith into combining like weight loss and the gospel. Yeah, and grew a very large church in, in Tennessee. She recently died in a plane crash. But it, it grew into a cult. You could belong to no one else. You had to shun other people out of your life. And here's the good. Again, we took Jesus plus weight loss. No! Thank God for me. But no! <laughs> right? Because at the end of the day, it's just Jesus. Jesus plus anything equals nothing. It is Jesus and him alone. Now, look, we're not oneness people. I talked about the Trinity, so don't go there. Okay, but it is him. It's his word. It's standing on him. Don't make it about other things. That's how horrible things happen. Make it about the leader. We make it about leadership. We make it about, and man, that has been a huge thing. That has been a cult of personality in the church the last 40 years. Leadership. Leaders. Great leaders. Read this leadership book. And you know what? There's great value in learning to be great leaders and have great leadership. But I've seen some really crappy leaders that God used mightily. Thank God that he doesn't pick the winners. He picks me and he picks you. Yeah, I wonder, does a guy like Joseph Smith or Charles Taze Russell feel rejected and alone and like they don't belong, so therefore they have to make their own path? Therefore they have to manipulate people to follow them. I'm all for evangelism at Thrive. We talked about it all last week, Scott Hinkle did. We want to reach people. We want to see places filled with God touching their lives. But you know what I don't want? I, I don't want a house filled with people enamored with me. And, and if you're here long enough, you find out that's the case. That's not me. I couldn't care less. I don't care who gets the credit. 
No, I don't need any of that. It is Jesus. I want you to know him. I want you to experience his presence. I want you to see him touch your life. I don't want you to get bound up in the stuff that binds you up. Give Jesus control. Let him reveal the truth to you in your life. Let him be everything and all that you need. And here's the best part. If you can do that, being a church is the best. Because it's no longer unhealthy. Because nobody has to be the one. They don't have to be all the things. You don't have to be all the things. We're going to let each other down. It's okay. Because we don't have to be Jesus. It's great news. Because we don't have to live here anymore. Nobody has to. We don't have to write new books, even though there's nothing wrong with good books and great studies. We believe in that. You don't have to give financially at Thrive to belong at Thrive. But the Lord will work that out on you because that means your money has you a little bit if you can never give. But we don't have that ledger. We're not tracking you like that. We don't have every week to have to have somebody, you know, shake in the aisles because none of it's a have to. Some weeks somebody will share a word. We've had somebody at the altar here and there. They, they, they might fall down because God's presence is strong on them. But none of this is a have to. And none of this is the design of who we are. The DNA of who we are we want to be. I, I don't want a vision statement outside of what Jesus told us to do. We have a vision statement. It's all right. None of you probably even remember it. I barely remember it. But as long as we know the word of God and walk with Jesus, who cares? Jesus, I, I'm really honored by what was said about us today. I, I, I definitely don't always live up to it, but I'm very honored for what you said. But man, may that be all of us. Let me be, if we get nothing right, let's be after the heart of God. Let the lost come in, and if they didn't understand a word that was said, they were loved. They knew we cared about them, and God was in that place. Let's get that right. Say we're not moving on the stuff we can't move on. More than that, I know Jesus. I hear from him. You know, this week, and I'm about to wrap it up. I had a man, I had a tough week. A lot of things. A lot of different things. I'm, I won't unpack it for you. But just 27 different things that had nothing to do with each other. Just anybody here know what I'm talking about? One of those weeks just nailed from a billion different sides and just wearing you out and just like man no his fault just life because I'm on my own fault I have this dream so I talked to pastor friend the night before he's a great guy Jeremiah he's a good dear dear brother just one of those encouraging 
gives me an encouraging word. Says, hey, get back. We'll be back on track tomorrow. We better. I kid you not. I don't know if that was prophecy or what. And literally the next day, like 27 things just turned on a dime. Almost all those things just turned right around. Better direction. But that night I had a dream. This was none of my notes to share. And I don't want to manipulate you. And if you're like, eh, throw, just throw it out, okay? Just. But I had a dream that night. And I don't remember much of the dream. But I remember we had made an impact against hell. We'd like shattered a ceiling or something. We broke some glass. Something like broke. And the enemy was ticked about it. And we were just under attack. And I woke up and it was... It's a pretty clear dream from the Lord. There was not a lot of interpretation needed there. Well, this Lord, God just said, hey, you've made an impact against hell, and hell is not okay with it. But it's okay. I'm with you. Keep going. Get up. Fight back. Get in the fight. Stay in it. Come on. Some of you have experienced that. It's not because you or, or, or you're doing something wrong. It's because you're doing something right. The enemy, once you say yes to Jesus, you get an assignment on your back. And so the enemy's looking to take you out or deceive you out. Don't buy it. I'm in. Lord, I'm with you. No matter where it takes me, no matter what happens, if it puts me in prison, if it makes me a pariah, if they shut down my Facebook account, I don't care. I'm with you. I love you, Lord. Because you first love me. Where I'm not right, make me right. Straighten it out. But I'm with you. Let's be that church. Let's stand together. I know I went long today. Thanks for bearing with me. Just heads bowed and eyes closed. I need to ask this question. Nobody's looking around. This is between you and Jesus this moment. You've never said yes to the Savior as your Lord. Not other gods, not religious performance, not I belong to this denomination. Yes to Jesus, Him, the person, the one true God who wants to know you and your heart and your name. You've never said yes to Him. And you need to, not Come on, I invite you to. You need to. For the first time, look at Jesus face to face, eye to eye, in your heart. And you want to say, yes, Jesus, come on in. Be my God. If that's you today, do me a favor. Just put your hand up right where you are. Thank you. Anybody else in this place? Want to say, yes, Jesus, I believe. Come on in. Secondly, you've made it about something else and you forgot. You just kind of drifted away. You've been struggling. It's worn down on you. You don't feel God very much. But you want to. Do me a favor, put your hand up. Put it back down. Anybody else? Come in, do the work. Renew my heart again. I'm going to pray over you, and when I'm done, 
You can stay in worship, and if God's dealing with you, let his presence be on you. But don't rush it. And if you're good and God's done the work and you're ready to go, you have an awesome week when I say amen. We'll respect those who might stay and just want to do some business with the Lord. Lord bless you and keep you this week. May you, may we belong to him and him alone. Not a church, not a man, not an ideal. You, Lord, you, no one but you. Not a belief system, but the God of the universe, Jesus Christ. May our hearts belong to you, our minds. Forgive us of our sin. Come on in. Be my God. Help me follow you faithfully. And when I don't, pick me up, clean me out, make me better. May my heart solely belong to you all this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10.